Hey guys, uh, this is Praveen, founder of Live Chat Ninjas. Our guest today is Robin Vanderheiden. Robin is the co-founder of an unlimited productized graphic design service called Minipixels. In this interview, we are going to go deep dive into his story, how he grew Minipixels to a $50,000 monthly recurring revenue, the challenges he faced, and how he overcame them. Let's get started. Hi, Robin. Let's start by introducing yourself to our audience. Who are you and uh, where are you from and what is Minipixels? Sure. So my name is Robin van der Heyden. I'm from Belgium and uh, Minipixels is an unlimited design service for a flat monthly fee. So for $399, you get your personal designer and you get access to a platform where you can submit as many design requests as you want. So this is useful for small and medium businesses that often have graphic design needs and do not want to hire a freelancer or do not want to hire someone in-house. All right. So uh, why have you started, like, you know, this is a productized service. Uh, why have you ventured into this kind of a business model? So the idea of Manipixels came out of my personal frustration. So I had a company before, a real estate company, um, which was fully online. And I was mostly... Uh, hiring designers to create various graphics from uh, blog post images to social media graphics, but also landing pages. And I was working with overseas talent, mostly for um, cost reasons. So I mostly was working with designers out of Indonesia. But I realized that the experience of hiring and managing those designers was not optimal. So mostly hiring is very tedious to post job offers and to work with freelancers that are not always reliable and you never know who to pick. And then managing those designers was also uh, difficult because I didn't really know how much to pay them. Um, I had to pay them per job and the prices um, had a very, like, varied a lot. So I thought it would be awesome to have a solution where you pay a fixed package per month and the designer is picked for you and you can submit all the design requests that you need. So I didn't want to spend my time hiring people or managing them, but rather I wanted to spend my time focusing on building my business and uh, building my customer base and making sure um, that the business was more structured. So that's the reason why I thought the productized service approach was better. And so that's how Manipixels was born. Okay, so like, uh, is you are the only founder or do you have co-founders? Co um, I'm the founder, but um, since about a year, another founder, another co-founder joined. And since now eight months, we just had a third co-founder who is CTO now, who is developing the backend of Manipixels to basically make sure that customers have a good experience when they order design requests and when they communicate to their designer. So uh, where is Manipixels now today? Yeah, so in terms of revenue, we are at about 50,000 USD per month. Um, and in terms of team, we have about 20 team members, 20 to 22, and they are all fully remote. So we have two types of team members. We have designers, which comprise the biggest part of our team. So we have 18 designers, and they are located in Indonesia, Philippines, Ukraine, and Romania. And then we have also two team leaders, which are from Romania and from the U.S. So those team leaders uh, manage the, the client's communication and the accounts. And the designers are 
basically in two different time zones because we have customers mostly in the US, but also in the UK and in Australia and a little bit in Singapore. So that was uh, our decision for having teams in different time zones. And our designers have, we have three types of designers. We have illustrators, graphic designers, and UI designers. All right. So um, it is at uh, 50,000 USD, is that? Yeah, correct. Team size of 22 uh, yeah. from Indonesia and uh, a few of them on the uh, on your founder side, you know, the CTO. And uh, it is completely a remote organization. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's go back to uh, the beginning times when Manipixel got started. Uh, you have this idea of, uh, you know, having a place where you can go get the designs instead of hiring, firing, and, uh, you know, managing freelancers for your design uh, tasks. So how did you uh, first uh, manage to put up a website and then, uh, you know, get those first 10 initial customers? Yeah, so... Basically, when I started the company, personally, I was in a stage where I was a little bit lost in my life. I didn't really know what to do. So I studied law, corporate law. And then I basically took a year to travel after that. Um, so I started first a company uh, when I was doing my studies. And then that company was successful. But then uh, some law changes meant it wasn't so successful for the last year. So I decided to travel with my savings and stuff. And uh, I, st I really didn't know what to do. So my savings started to decrease. I considered applying jobs, applying for jobs, because uh, all my friends had high-paying jobs in law firms and stuff. So at one point, I, was, I really needed to make money because the other uh, alternative was to go back to my parents' place. So I okay. decided to set up, as soon as I could, a landing page offering my services. So what I did, I went on ThemeForest and I bought a $10 CSS uh, template. And basically I said, um, you can get unlimited design services for $99 per month. I did not really know how to code. So I chose an off-the-shelf solution to handle payments, which is called Paywell. And then I integrated the code on the website and then I launched that website on various Facebook groups that I was in. So I was part of a few Facebook groups such as Sydney Startups or Brisbane Startups. And I basically asked people in the group what they thought of that idea. And to my surprise, about 10 people bought the first day or even 15, wow. I think. So the first day I made $1,500. So I was like, oh, okay, I have something on my hand, but now how to really make it real, right? Because I didn't mm -hmm. expect that I would get so many customers. And then I also didn't expect that $99 was way too low. So yeah, that's how it started. And uh, are you a designer yourself? No, no, I'm not a designer. I'm not. Yeah, so uh, having 10 customers, I mean, uh, 15 customers at hand and uh, you not being a designer. So what was your uh, thoughts uh, uh, you know, on that particular day, like, uh, what did you think? Um, so I had my design taste. So I think I was, I was, um, okay in picking and knowing which designers were doing a good job. So mm -hmm. I was often looking out of personal interest at dribble or, or, or Behance at their portfolios. So I was, 
I thought, okay, this designer, I prefer his style. And I thought just by my own judgment, maybe other people would also like the style of this designer. But in terms of uh, core skills, such as how to do a UI or a wireframe or like how to do a logos and stuff, I, have, I had absolutely zero skills. So my, um, my view on that was to hire project managers that would actually have a, an eye for design and have design skills, but who would manage the designers. But myself, I didn't have any skills at all. Got it, got it. So uh, you are not a designer, but uh, you do have experience in working with designers, uh, understanding what is a quality design versus what is not. And that helped you to uh, pull this off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Got it, got it. The Facebook groups that you are in uh, help you to get the first 10 customers. And then uh, what marketing strategies have you worked on uh, later on? Yeah, so later on, we started with cold outreach via email. So once we knew that um, businesses were, small and medium businesses were our targets and agencies, we started cold emailing and started buying lists and then just basically sending them email sequences. So that was the first step that got us a few subscribers. Then the second step we did was a lot of content marketing. So we did content marketing uh, relating our entrepreneurial journey of building this company. So we posted those on Reddit and Indie Hackers, which are two communities with a lot of uh, small entrepreneurs while starting. And I felt that uh, publishing our content there was a good way to, to be uh, in front of potential customers. So we did that. And then lastly, and we're hoping to scale with this. We are doing Facebook advertising now. So we have a profitable return on investment on Facebook ads. So what we do, we do two types of ads currently. We do retargeting. So we try to have a lot of traffic on our website and then retarget it with ads. And then we do prospecting ads. So just lookalike audiences and stuff like this. We've also done a free illustration gallery. So similar to Andro, we have a gallery of open source illustrations. And this gallery is uh, very successful. It brings about 30,000 visitors, unique visitors per month on our website. Unfortunately, not always the best, the, the, the best clients for us, but it's still a successful uh, marketing strategy. So our strategy for, the, for now is to drive traffic on our website and then retarget that traffic either with ads or with email uh, sequences. So for example, if you go on our free illustration gallery or if you go on our blog, you will see some places where you can enter your email to get subscribed and get updates. And once you get into that email list, you get a sequence of four to five emails, uh, basically who tell you more about, which tells you more about many pixels. Uh, you kind of uh, tried everything. So from uh, being, um, you know, um, promoting on Facebook groups to cold mailing and then content marketing. And also what you're saying is email marketing, getting the leads into your email list and then uh, nurturing them until they purchase from you. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. What we haven't done so, uh, so far, um, like we haven't done much SEO yet, but I think SEO mm. could be a really good way to acquire customers as well but we might do it at a later stage. For now, we want to focus on Facebook advertising. Got it, got it. Okay, and also ads, right. Yeah. 
So what is the, in all of this that you have tried, what do you think is the best uh, converter, like, you know, the best marketing strategy that you have invested? For now, we haven't done a lot of marketing, to be honest, since the start of uh, many pixels, we have done a lot of hustling. So we have tried many different things and tried to get users because many pixels is a very difficult business to, to pull off in terms of operations. So we mostly recruited user, um, our customers manually via cold outreach or inbound and that kind of stuff. But what I think is the marketing strategy that will really enable us to scale on long term is Facebook advertising and SEO. Got it. What on, on the other side, what is the worst marketing strategy that you have uh, uh, worked on that didn't get you by worst? I mean, that didn't get you uh, the results that you have expected. Yeah, so what didn't work at all for us is LinkedIn outreach. So probably our targeting was too wide. That's how I attribute the failure. So for now, it's really strange because cold email outreach really worked well, but LinkedIn outreach didn't really work uh, well. To be honest, I, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn for now and how I have to do it, like adding a connection and then sending an email and pretending to be building a relationship, but then you, what you want to do is actually sell. So I didn't really like also doing LinkedIn, but maybe there is a better way to do it, but I haven't discovered it yet. All right. Coming to uh, the pricing of uh, many pictures. So you mentioned that uh, you have initially started with $99 a month, and now the price is $399 USD a month. So why did you increase and uh, do you have a, a pricing strategy behind the increase? So there are two reasons uh, why we increased the prices. The first one is that low prices tend to attract customers who are more interested in low prices than actual quality service. And the second reason is that um, we were not able to serve at $99 uh, customers a service that was worth it. It was just too cheap considered, considering the prices we were paying the designers and considering how many customers a designer could, could handle. So that was just those two reasons. So we saw that customers also uh, that were buying the cheapest plan. So we had two plans, $99 and $179 at the beginning. And we saw that we had a much higher churn on the $99 plan. So even the customers who were uh, purchasing the, the, the lowest tier were churning far uh, more than the $179 plan. So my, my reasoning for this uh, is that customers who are paying the higher plan have usually a more established business and thus have the money to purchase, to purchase it. But some are just curious about the $99 offer and they just want to try it. They are curious about the service and then they churn. So... Now that we have a $399 plan, which is more in par with what other services and what the competition is doing, uh, we are quite good uh, with this pricing. Wow. Uh, that's actually a good uh, you know, uh, a mind shift, right? Uh, most of the people who are starting out uh, with their businesses think that they have to go cheap uh, in order to attract more clients. And as you're saying, the $99 a month clients churned up more and... Uh, your reasoning of uh, they want to test out and uh, they don't uh, they cannot support this uh, makes sense and uh, and is that the reason that you have increased the prices later definitely yeah 
And I also think that um, when you are too cheap, uh, some customers do not consider you at all. They think the service is like um, not working for the money. Even though you have a money back guarantee, they don't take you seriously. If you really want to attract customers that have not known you at all, what you can do is an entry-level offer. So, for example, a single design request or, for example, a one-week trial for a flat price, which is not too high. And then, basically, once those customers have already purchased something from you and once the trust is established and once you have proven you can deliver value, you can then upsell them to another plan. So another company is doing that called Carson, which is uh, doing small Shopify tasks, which I think is really clever. And um, so we might do this in the future as well at Many Pixels to, to get customers to try us. Um, but definitely pricing, you should price based on the value you are offering and never price too low unless you really want to offer a cheap and affordable service, which is not high quality, which can also be very good strategy. But if you are looking at providing a quality service, then it's, I think, not uh, sustainable. Got it. All right. Coming to uh, the uh, the growth of uh, many pixels. So it is currently at 50,000 um, monthly recurring revenue, but it started with 1,500 in one day. So what are the challenges? Uh, what is the big, biggest challenge that you have faced from taking many pixels from 1,500 to 50,000? So at the beginning, the biggest challenge was building the team. So finding the right way to structure the team. So I flew to Indonesia to Job Jakarta and I started hiring designers and working with them remotely via Skype. Then it didn't really work. They were um, disappearing, not answering to customers. So I opened an office in Jakarta and the whole team was full in-house. This also didn't work. Uh, designers were late to work. Sometimes they were unhappy about working long hours and that kind of stuff. So finally, we set out to have um, higher prices for uh, customers so we could also compensate designers better. And we also uh, offer them to work fully remotely. And we also gave them an allowance for internet or co-working space and they are now really happy. So at the very beginning, it was mostly building and finding out the right team structure and uh, how we would pay them uh, and that kind of stuff. Now the biggest challenge is churn, which is still a bit high. Um, the churn is, we attribute it for a couple of reasons. Sometimes the customers do not need the service. Sometimes um, they also find out the turnaround are too long and a very small amount of customer customers uh, find out uh, that the design quality is not um, as good as they expected, but that's very, very small almost insignificant. Um, so, and I would attribute churn in general as a lack of product market fit. So this is very difficult to achieve for a productized service because you, especially in the design space, you can do so much for so many different types of clients. And the way to fix churn is to make sure that you go, you really niche down to a specific type of customer that you know uh, will use your service the way you want it uh, to be and the way you want it you want to deliver. And the mistake we did at Many Pixels is to go too wide on who we wanted to serve. So we do UI, we do logo, we do graphic designs, we have multiple pricing plans. 
So it's a very wide offer and it's very difficult to productize and scale and offer the same consistent service to everyone. So that's, that's the biggest challenge in growing many pixels. And now we are um, reducing our plans. We are thinking about doing two plans only, which are very different for very different audiences with very different services. And I think that's our biggest uh, growth challenge. So now we have reduced our trend a little bit. It's still high, but it's, we're reducing it. But mostly I would say uh, the churn, most of the time, if you have a high churn, it's because you don't have a product market fit. And if you don't have a product market fit, it's probably because you are doing too much for too many different customers. And as a reason, uh, some customers are very happy, but a lot of them are not so happy and then they churn and then choose another service which really answer their specific needs. That's the, the biggest challenge we had in growing many pixels. All right. Uh, so uh, I am uh, a designer. So uh, I used to do freelance web design and graphic design. Uh, so the problem with uh, design uh, in specific is that it is almost impossible to uh, satisfy each and every customer. Exactly. Yes. Because design is, is so visual that uh, everyone has their own opinions of what they want and uh, what they see uh, is a perfect uh, design for them. So the product market fit, as you said, uh, is the main, uh, is one of the main uh, reasons for, uh, for people not liking uh, what, uh, what uh, many pixels provide. But at the same time, there are a lot more uh, customers, not a lot more uh, people who can benefit from a service uh, that can uh, provide design work at a flat monthly rate. So yeah, uh, the reason uh, I, I, as a designer, agree that um, whatever you are facing uh, is something the design industry faces in general. So it's not a mistake um, or an issue with many pixels specifically. Yeah, exactly. It's for it's for a lot of different services, not just for us. So yeah, uh, again, just to uh, to address those issues, just find just go hyper niche, and then find a service that people really want to do, really want to order. And then that should solve the, the churn issues. For example, um, for example, a niche could be bloggers that want regular blog posts. And those bloggers, what they care most about is speed over quality, so fast turnaround. If you can find a service, if you can build a service that just does that, provide one service uh, for one specific audience, and you know exactly what they care about, and you build a service around that, then you will be very successful. Another example is, for example, agencies that want to have a dedicated resource. So, for example, having a designer that answers uh, from Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 p.m., and who is available on Slack or even via your own platform, and who can be just available. So what that customer would care the most about is availability and reliability. So these are two different profiles, right? And these are two different services that, um, that you provide in very different ways. And if you want to do all type of customers um, and all type of services, then that's very difficult to scale because you don't really know what's the bot bottleneck of your business because you have on one side customers who are very happy and love your service because maybe you are very fast, but on the one side, your designers are not really responsive and not really implementing revisions and you have a lot of customers churning. So that's the that's the, the idea on how I would fix uh, product market fit issues for productized service. 
that's uh, something that I would completely agree. As you said, uh, niching down. Niching down is uh, something, you know, not just prioritized businesses, but any kind of a business needs to do. If we are, you know, uh, are serving everyone, then we are serving no one. So yeah, uh, I would completely agree with uh, what you, are, what you said, just said. All right, so uh, on the operation side, you have mentioned that uh, you uh, flew to Indonesia and Jakarta and uh, set up an office, had uh, your team in-house. So from there to now, which is a completely remote team, I guess, right? Yeah, it is. So uh, what uh, made you to take that decision and how long have you been uh, in, in the in-house space and how long have you been in the remote uh, type of remote type of operations yeah so now we have been fully remote for about uh, nine months and it works perfectly um, but before I wanted to be in-house because to be honest I was a control freak I really wanted to see the designer working from 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and making sure uh, that they were doing design and nothing else and in terms of operations I also wanted them to only use templates, but I was a big mistake. So I was over controlling the designer and the staff. And that's also a reason why uh, the in-house uh, stuff didn't really work. First of all, I wasn't a designer and I didn't have design skills. So I was not really in a good position to create uh, SOPs or templates or tell them what to do. So my biggest learning in doing, in managing a team is actually to care about people. But before you care about people, just find people that care about you. So find really great people that want to work remotely, that uh, are good at what they do. So focus uh, time on hiring really good uh, designers. If you want to do a design service or any other service, find good team players. But uh, most importantly, find people who are aligned with how you will uh, structure your company. So for us, uh, all our design, design staff, they really like the remote lifestyle. So for example, one of our team leaders, she's living uh, in the mountains and skiing after work or before work. And she really likes the fact that she can work remotely. And so that's a perfect job for us. That matters more to her um, than money or than trying to have bonuses or stuff like this. So try to find, it's the same for customers. Customers, you try to build a company and services that they care about, but the same goes for your team you try to create a company um, and create benefits that they care about. These benefits can be uh, the possibility to earn more money or it can be the possibility of working remotely, having a good work environment, having career growth. It can be many things. So for us, we focused on creating a structure that they really liked and they work via Slack. They, we, have, we don't have too many team meetings. I don't think the managers have any team meetings with them. They just have one Slack channel where they discuss with their teams and then they work fully remotely and we pay them uh, directly to their bank account once a month via TransferWise and they, they really like that. So they, and they have the, the flexibility of working from home and that kind of stuff. So that's my biggest learning on managing a team. Um, then also having good team leaders that uh, look after the team and make sure uh, to tell them, okay, you you have to reply to that customer. You forgot to do this or this, or this, this customer is not happy. Here's what's going to happen. Um, so we have also a small process in that regard. So when a designer does not show up 
or where he constantly forgets things for a customer. He first gets a warning and then a second warning uh, letter via email. And then once that, custom, once that designer is still not doing any improvements, we, we terminate the independent contractor agreement. So we, that's the only uh, things we have in place at many pixels currently. Awesome. So it looks like uh, uh, you have the processes now uh, after uh, going remote, uh, which you let uh, while having in-house. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, correct. Are there any other mistakes that you have done now, you know, both on the operations and marketing side of, uh, of many pixels? In terms of mistakes, uh, probably going a little bit too fast at the beginning. So not caring too much about um, having co-founders agreements in place or not caring too much about which type of customers to acquire. I just wanted to go as fast as I could. And in, in hindsight, I think I could have done, gone a little bit um, less uh, fast. And uh, for example, I went too fast and made, made sure to acquire as many customers as I wanted, but didn't care about setting up customer service uh, processes in place. So I didn't have a live chat on the website or I only answered it when I wanted. But uh, like make sure that the basics are, are covered. So like how the expectations, if you have any co-founders, how they are set, or if you actually have customers, like how you will actually handle aftercare or questions or emails. So this is the mistake that I've made uh, with many pixels that hopefully I won't make uh, with other services or companies that I will make. Contrary to that, what are some of the good decisions that uh, help uh, the company to grow? Yeah, one good decision is actually having two co-founders on board. So they came up with very different skills. So one co-founder had a lot of um, business experience and corporate experience, also at marketplaces. Um, and another co-founder has technical experience. So he developed the platform. And also they challenged a little bit my decision. So being a solo founder, sometimes it's difficult to have feedback on, what you, on whether what you're doing is good. So having people who have different experiences was great and who are driven as well to take the company to the next level was uh, the best decision I made for, for many pixels. We wouldn't be here um, if I didn't have my co-founders. That makes complete sense. What are the future plans uh, and uh, f future will look like for many pixels? Yeah, so on the short term, our plan is to reduce churn. So to do this, we plan to uh, achieve product market fit. So we will change the pricing a little bit. We won't increase, but we will make two different plans. So one which is more like for small design request, graphic design request, and one which is more for having a dedicated designer that talks to you and makes your request throughout the day. So we are changing a little bit the pricing. It's not fully, and I mean, the, the value proposition, it's not fully decided yet. And we are still beta testing this. So the, the short-term goal is to reduce churn. Then uh, the long-term goal is to actually set up long-term uh, marketing and acquisition channels, such as ads or SEO, um, so that we have a really predictable way of acquiring customers and not just, oh, we have two new subscriptions, but we don't really know where they are coming from or how much it costs us to acquire them. So to 
really structure the business and possibly if later we want to have an acquirer or even just for us to know our numbers, we will need to know um, how much a customer costs us or what's our lead sources and that kind of stuff. And for this, we will have to set up long-term um, marketing channels. So that's the, the plans in terms of, um, in terms of um, strategic decisions. But uh, in terms of um, traffic and revenue, traffic, we don't really have a set number, but revenue, we want to hit the magic number of 83,000 uh, USD per month. So that's like $1 million. And then uh, personal goals for me, uh, personally, I want to be more involved into developing the, the ecosystem on product price services and uh, building my SaaS, many requests. So I recently started uh, building a, a tool that enables productized services, agencies and freelancers to sell their services and manage them. And uh, so my goal is to really develop this uh, and make a good community around this with content and articles and interviews uh, on productized services. I also see that uh, you have launched a SaaS product um, uh, recently. Would you mind talking about it? Sure. So the SaaS is called Many Requests. And basically, it's the tool that I wish existed when I built Many Pixels. So when I built Many Pixels, the first thing I wanted from my customer is to have a really clear um, brief of their needs. And what happened is that most of the communication happened either via Trello or via email or via other tool. And the communication was very badly organized. So many requests is a booking form that you can integrate on your website where customers can pick exactly the service they want. And once they pick that service, they are asked specific questions and they can upload files and stuff so that the request that you receive from a customer is very detailed and packaged. So the request is like a productized uh, service. So that enables you to do that, but that also enables you to manage those orders with your team and manage your customers and see your business metrics. So basically, it's the, it's an all-in-one tool that enables you to build a successful productized service or tech-enabled agency. So uh, is this form customizable? Yeah, it's fully customizable and there is no branding. So when you put it on your website, whether it's a WordPress website or just an HTML page or whatever, your customers can, cannot see that you are actually using a SaaS and they can purchase uh, the services from you uh, via this form. This SaaS is basically for anyone who is starting, getting started with product services and uh, to manage instead of uh, using Trello off the shelf tools like Trello, Google Docs and stuff and messing up the client communication and the pipeline. Uh, the delivery pipeline, they can use the software and uh, get everything in one place. So they can get, uh, you know, they can invite the team, they can invite the clients, uh, find, uh, you know, the clients will fill the requirements, the team will uh, get the job done and deliver it to the clients. And then on in, in the uh, bird eye perspective, they can see the business owner can see the overall revenue and all other metrics related to his business. Exactly. It's like a back office for your business. So once you set that up and once you invite your customers and your team on it, the idea is that you don't have to do anything. You just have to check the revenue and focus on marketing and focusing on uh, 
making sure that your business improves, but managing the businesses, the managing the business on a daily basis will not be one of your tasks anymore after you use that dashboard. So it's really helping you to set up shop and set and make sure that customers orders from you and reorder. So that's also the goal of this SaaS is also to make sure that your customers have a great experience in ordering services. So that's one of the reasons why customers purchase productized services is that they don't want to deal with hiring someone or dealing with custom proposals. Here, that's the other way around. They just purchase services from you like they order a product from you. So that's a great experience. That's like online shopping for digital services. So that's, uh, that's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's the nice way to put them, uh, put it together. Online shopping for digital services. Yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, what is the website again? Uh, ManyRequests.com. All right. So, um, moving on now, what what's the one thing uh, you wish you had known during the initial stages of uh, ManyPixels that you know now? Mm, mostly about the team, I would say. So, I'm actually building a team is not the thing I'm the best at. Uh, to be fully transparent. So the first thing I wish I had known is probably to find a co-founder a little bit earlier who could help me with this and making the right decisions in building the right team structure. And the first, the thing I, I wish I had known the best is that even though you want to do a productized service, you want to do something really packaged with a lot of processes, hiring the, the best people is still uh, your most important task. Whether it's co-founders that you find to run your business, spending time to make sure that the expectations are the same, or whether it's hiring uh, workers for your productized service, you should really make sure that it's one of your most important jobs that you should not fail at. And uh, yeah, making sure that uh, hiring the best possible people is like my biggest learning. It seems obvious when you just uh, hear that business advice without context, but in the context of productized service, it really made sense uh, for me later that I should have um, spent more attention on that. And, uh, and now we are continuing to, to, to make sure that everything we do at ManyPixel attracts the, the best people and making sure we also retain them. So what's the, uh, the number one tip that you can give to someone who wants to start a productized service today? So the number one tip is to go hyper niche. So to really find a very defined customer with a very defined problem. And then don't worry that you are closing your doors to other customers. Just find one customer that one, one specific service. So if I had to start again many pixels, I would probably just find a niche. For example, Amazon Merch. Uh, it's a niche, so this uh, niche needs to create a lot of T-shirt designs and need illustrators to sell, to produce designs so that they can sell those designs on Amazon. And having a niche really helps you understand what your customers care about and what's their personal goals. So, for example, if I didn't have that niche, I, I wouldn't know uh, what those Amazon sellers cared about and maybe they care about creating a lot of designs or having high quality uh, t-shirts, designs, etc., And making sure that when you go hyper niche, you can actually create a service that you really like and where they can really stay a long time. And this will help you find a product market fit and help you have a low churn 
and your team will know also how to serve them. Your team will be happy, uh, more happy. So everything uh, is linked together. So when you are starting, I would say find a, a niche, go really narrow, as narrow as you can, ask a lot of questions to your customers and make sure that you, yeah, you really do a very niche service as well and you can always expand later once you, once you really hit uh, five or six customers that really love your service, then try to find more of them. And once you run out of, of customers to find for that niche, then it's time to expand to a second one. And then uh, you can go ahead and grow your business from there. Awesome. That's a great advice. So uh, what are you spending your, most of your time these days? I'm doing marketing right. most of the time. So operations is done uh, by my co-founder but I'm doing marketing and customer acquisition most of the time. All right. So uh, you are mostly into marketing. I think uh, it's the same uh, from the initial uh, days of Medipixel, right? Yeah, exactly. It didn't change. How can our audience uh, reach you? Yeah. So I have a Facebook group on productized services called productized startups. So all the members can join. Everyone can join it. That's the best way to, to reach me. All right. Okay, so this is this Facebook group is specifically for uh, people who want to start productized services. Yeah, so it's intended for three type of three different audiences: freelancers who are already doing some freelance or who want to be a freelancer and make sure that they have a, a solid business, or it can be also for uh, agencies that want to scale their agency using the productized service approach. Or if you already have a productized service and uh, you just want to find ways to scale it, either scale your team or your marketing, uh, or simply if you want to network. So that's, um, that's intended for these three groups. Why they have to join the group? What it is in it for them uh, for joining the group? Why um, you, you should be interested in this group is mostly because there are tons of learning about team, uh, operations, starting your service, how to automate. And it's sometimes better to learn from someone who has been there before and has made all the mistakes to save you time and money rather than doing all the mistakes yourself. So I've been running the, the company now for two years and I've made all the mistakes possible. I've tried a few different models until I found which one worked best. And if you want to save time, basically go on the group so that you can ask your questions and get feedback and also read content from people who've, done, who've been there before. That is a great explanation, and uh, that is productized startups in Facebook, right? Yeah, exactly. That is the end of our interview, Robin. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us and uh, answering all the questions. I hope uh, a great future for many pixels. Thank you so much, and uh, have a good day, Robin. Thanks, Parveen, and have a good day as well.